Hello, you're here tonight to watch a talk on persuasion. So some of you may know Derek as just Derek Arden. Others may know you as the UK's number one negotiator, or others may know you may know him as um, the person, the author of the book Win Win. But uh, tonight he's going to be our speaker and speaking to you about uh, the power of persuasion. And some of the outcomes for tonight might be things like how to persuade your boss for a raise, or convincing your parents for more pocket money, or persuading someone to give a talk your, at your society. So some of these may be more relatable to one or another of you. And so the talk will be starting now and should last until 7.20. And afterwards, it will become a Q&A session. And uh, yeah, keep your mics uh, off throughout the session and save all the questions for the end. And uh, yeah, Ben, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, I was just going to mute. I was going to mute everybody, okay? Because there's always a danger with this number of people on that uh, there'll be a dog barking in the background and we won't know who that is. So everybody be muted except me. Radu, if you want to turn your mic back yeah, on yeah. in case I need to know whether I, you can see my slides or anything or if anything's wrong with the link, let me know, okay? So everybody's now muted. Well, good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. As I was saying earlier, it's 10 years since I've been invited back to uh, Fish on Toast at Southampton University. It was only Radu attending the session that I did at uh, Surrey University that reminded me of that uh, drunken session we had in the Students' Union at, um, at Southampton University. And I think they pulled me back on a train at uh, Southampton Parkway Station to, uh, to Woking. It was great fun. And I'm really hoping that we can do that again, either this year or next year, uh, as I'm hoping to do with uh, Surrey University. This all started, I was persuaded by uh, Simona Krasin, Whose, um, whose dad saw me speak at, in Bulgaria and Sofia, Bulgaria. I'm actually quite big in Bulgaria. I'm not big anywhere else, but I'm quite big in Sofia and Bulgaria. I get invited onto breakfast television and all sorts of things. And uh, Simona was at Surrey University and still is. She's on this call and his, her dad said to her, you need to go on one of Derek's courses while you're in London. And he helped her persuade me to let her go on the course, come on the course for nothing. Now that's persuasion. Sometimes people think, well, persuasion's not very important. Persuasion's very important, as is influencing, and as is clearly negotiating. And in fact, negotiating sits right bang in the middle of uh, selling, influencing, presenting, pitching, haggling, uh, conflict management, and even positive psychology, because people buy people who are positive. So if you don't come across as a positive person, uh, then perhaps you won't get uh, hired for a job you want or a promotion because they think that you haven't got that oomph, that energy, etc., etc. So my goal tonight is to share with you lots of the things I've learned over the last uh, 30 years. I've studied at the Harvard Business School. I've studied neuro-linguistic programming and I see somebody put a comment on LinkedIn about uh, neuro-linguistic programming being manipulative. Ladies and gentlemen, nothing's manipulative unless you want to be manipulated. Yes, the psychological text techniques been going on since Adam and Eve, uh, which have persuaded people to do things that they didn't want to do. 
we have to suss out people like them. But basically, neurolinguistics, neuro, the way the brain works, linguistic, the language you use, and programming, doing something a number of times, which then puts it into your unconscious mind, is, is the psychology of excellence and how things really work. So I'm going to share with you as much of those techniques as possible. I'll take your questions in the chat box. That will be uh, super. So if you've got questions, make them short, sharp and specific in the chat box. As the Radu said, I'll stay on afterwards and answer any questions after the meeting's finished. So you can leave, etc. But I'd just like to see how many people that we've got on now. I'm going to go to gallery view and I'd like everyone that's got their camera on can put their camera on to give me a wave. OK, give me a wave. Give me a wave and a big smile, big smile. That's fantastic. Well done, well done. Because I think waving is the new handshake. You see, we need to connect with people. You don't get a second chance to make a first impression. I've got some slides that I'll show you in a minute. If you don't get a second chance to make a first impression, then how do you greet people? How do you come across when you first meet people? Well, in the Western world, in most of the Western world, it's a handshake. And why is it a handshake? Because we're putting our dominant hand out and we're offering it to the other person. We're actually saying, going back in history a bit, no guns, no wine, no knives, no weapons. I'm offering you a handshake. And of course we handshake and touch is one of the most uh, powerful feelings that works on under the level of the uh, under the level of the conscious mind and therefore we're touching the person and connecting with them and we're doing that at arm's length now arm's length we've said a business meeting or a persuasion is usually done at arm's length that that isn't six foot apart or two meters that's arm's length which is about a meter so all these things are really important because first impressions are a bit like quick drying cement. And you know what I mean, after about 30 seconds, that person is getting the impression of you, how you come across. So if you're going for a job interview, you're gonna persuade someone to do something, the first 30 seconds is really important. In fact, it's shorter than that. I was just on this um, lecture in uh, California, in San Francisco on Zoom. It's amazing what you can do on Zoom, listening to this lady called Tracy Hooper. She says that the brain susses somebody out in a seventh of a second, that whether they are a threat, whether a threat to you or uh, a friend of yours from your village, from your tribe, from your town, from your football team, whatever you're doing. We know all these tribal things still go on in the world. And within seven seconds, they've made up their minds whether they like you enough to actually do business with you. These statistics are scary, very scary. But it, as long as we know about it and we get to our meetings early, um, that's important. Now on Zoom, which has taken over the world or Teams or Microsoft Teams or Google or whatever, being on time is not good enough. Being on time is late. And being early is five or 10 minutes before. So make sure that you're there, ready to go. Apologize tonight, it looked like we were starting at six o'clock. We were starting at 6.15 for 6.30, which is what it said on the adverts, but on Zoom, it came out like that. So you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Now, I've um, there's a poll question up there, and uh, are you how good as a persuader are you? Are you... Uh, 
a beginner? Are you intermediate? Are you good? Or are you very good? Or are you so good? You should be doing this Zoom talk instead of me. So if you just uh, put in your uh, answers to the poll, poll question and uh, that would be great. A few people haven't done that, but if you could do that, that would be great. So we got some um, 38% beginners, 32% intermediate, 21% good, 9% very good. And no one wants to do this talk instead of me. That's a shame. I could have uh, had a coffee early, couldn't I? Now, so there, there, are, the, there are the results. Uh, and now I'm gonna stop sharing it and I'm going to put some, I'm going to share my screen. So I'll just talk you through what I'm doing because you never quite know if um, if um, everything's going to come up right on Zoom. That is one of the disadvantages. So fish on toast, 17th of March. Uh, Radu, can you see my screen okay? Yep, everything's good. good. Brilliant, brilliant. And you did a nice little, uh, um, unfortunately, that picture was uh, touched up in America. They uh, they made it look like they'd taken my wrinkles out, did something with my teeth, and I don't know where you got that one from, but I'm a bit embarrassed by it, but anyway. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you email me before tomorrow night, your action points from tonight, the things that you're gonna do differently, I'll send you one of my books. That could be How to Negotiate Your Salary, The Power Negotiation, 117 Handy Haggling Hints, Presenting Phenomenally, I'll send you a PDF of it. And if you put a recommendation up on LinkedIn about me, I'll send you two books. So just email me which ones are those that you want. You can see them on my website uh, under, the, um, under the shop and just take a look at them. And if I can send it to you, I will. The one I can't send you, which is my best book, was published by Pearson Round the World, published in Chinese as well. Um, and uh, I can't send you that because I don't own the copyright. So I can't send, I can't send you a Kindle PDF edition of it, uh, sadly, for nothing. But you could buy it on Amazon now for about eight pounds on a Kindle and about ten pounds uh, as a uh, as a real book. So I'll leave that thought with you. That's my email address. Action at Derek Arden by tomorrow night. Now I often ask people what that says, and they think it says opportunity is nowhere. But of course, it really does depend where you put the W in the spaces and. Uh, that now says opportunity is now here. And life's a bit like that, you know, you can choose whether you're going to be lucky. You can choose whether every issue is an opportunity to learn, to take advantage of situations. Even when you've got an issue, a customer complaint, things aren't going so well on the exams, you can sit back, take a walk around the campus and say, why, why, aren't, why isn't my studying going very well? Am I studying at the wrong time of day when my biorhythms are low? Should I get up at five o'clock in the morning, which I often do when I've got to talk because I'm really good in the morning. My energy levels are fabulous in the morning, terrible um, as it gets to uh, gets towards the evening. So uh, think about that because the highest achievers are positive. The highest achievers use positive language. The highest achievers say things like opportunity is now here. Every problem is an opportunity. Today is gonna to be a great day and use really positive language. So look at the language you use, listen to the language that you use, try stop stopping reading um, 
newspapers, looking at Facebook too much and listening to news because virtually all news is negative. Now, people ask me, why is news negative? It's because negative news sells newspapers. Basically, the way the brain works is that um, we have a safety mechanism to keep us living a long time. And that safety me mechanism has to pick up negativity. And therefore, it's picking up negativity rather than motivating us to go forward. And once we understand that, um, and in three weeks time, I've got uh, one of the uh, best psychologists uh, from the USA on my Monday night chat show. So if you sign up for that, Stephen Campbell's his name. I was talking to him earlier and I'm going to interview him all the way from uh, San Francisco. So join me for that. Now, when I'm doing anything and I'm doing something like this, I do a mind map. Now, that's my mind map of today's talk. If you're not into mind maps, look at chapter 10 in my book, Win Win, because I explain the importance of mind maps. Mind maps are fantastic for uh, studying, uh, for making notes, uh, for brainstorming your notes the night before you do an exam, mind mapping all the key points, because in a stress situation, we remember things that we've mind mapped much better than we remember things that we've read in books. Mind maps are very personal. If you want to buy a book on mind mapping or download a Kindle, the name of the um, expert on mind maps is a guy called Tony Buzan, B-U-Z-A-N, and uh, look all his books up and, and download them. But uh, I use mind maps all the time because I do a lot of presentations and it takes the stress out of the presentations. And I generally don't have to look at a note. So what are you going to persuade? What are you going to negotiate? What is it that you want to, uh, um, what, want to get someone else to do for you? Why do you want to do it? Is how important is it on a scale of 0 to 10? And then how are you going to do it? And those three questions, what, why and how, are really great questions to ask yourself. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I show this picture quite a lot. It was written, it was drawn by a psychologist in 1914, believe it or not. And my question to you is, how old do you think the young lady is? So is she really old or is she really young? Because people can see two different uh, women there. One's the old lady and one's the young lady. So would you put in the chat box how old you think she is? Radu, can you monitor the chat box for me? Because I can't monitor it without taking the slide down. So just call out what, uh, what numbers are going into the chat box. Oh, uh, 20, young. Yeah. Three, young. <laughs> Any old ones coming in? Yes. Eugene just said old. Old, okay. Any more? Uh, 24, 31. So, so a lot of people can see the young lady. Now, probably because I'm old, very old, I can only see the old lady. And can you see my mouse, Radu? Yep, it's my mouse. Right. Yeah, see, I see the old lady coming down here with her eyelash, a big nose there, a big mouth and her pointed chin and all that. Now you might be asking yourself, why is Derek showing me that? Well, the reason Derek is showing you that is people have different perceptions of different situations and we all see things differently. And one of the most important things to do is to raise your radar and look more carefully listen more carefully to what people are um, are saying now 
sensory acuity. What's sensory acuity? It's sensory awareness to what's going on. And it was Leonardo da Vinci in the 16th century that said, the average person looks without seeing, listens without hearing, touches without feeling, eats without tasting, and smells without awareness. Now the psychologists called that sensory acuity, sensory awareness, and they also found out that people that raise their awareness to seeing the body language people are exhibiting, to listening more carefully to what people are saying, to um, noticing when they shake hands or they fist bump or they wave on Zoom or whatever it is, how it comes across, how the handshake feels. I, I suss people out from their handshake in the old days by uh, whether it's an aggressive one, whether it's a crunchy one, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So again, raising your sensory acuity will make you a high achiever because you'll notice more in meetings, you'll notice more in interviews, you'll just notice more with other people. So uh, be a bit more um, than that and see what's actually going on. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, persuasion, influencing, negotiating includes presenting, because if you don't present and pitch your case, you won't get to the negotiation table, you won't get to the table to influence or persuade anyone. Haggling, conflict management, because if they've got something and you wanna persuade them to give it to you, clearly there's gonna be a bit of conflict. So how do you handle that is, very important, which is why I inserted a new chapter in the, in the book Win-Win all about uh, conflict management. And I've already been talking about positive energy and the language we use. About 20 years ago, when I was working for Barclays, um, I was listening to some audio CDs on the way to work from, on the train from Woking into, into Canary Wharf, where I worked. And uh, I was listening to a guy called Brian Tracy, who I was fortunate enough to meet um, a number of years later. And Brian was saying, when people ask you how you are in Britain, most people say, okay, not too bad, all right, considering, and things like that. And Tracy suggested that if you said fantastic, not only would it make you feel better, it would also surprise the other person and make them better. So I went into Bartley's and I started trying to say, how are you, Derek? I said, fantastic. And then I added, fantastic, thank you for asking, because they did ask you how you are. Now we know most people ask you how you are, but they don't really mean it. But you know, if you say fantastic or sensational or amazing or great to be alive, this is the best day of my life, as my friend from Texas says, it's the best day of my life because I'm gonna make it because I'm still alive. We made it to today, so I might as well make it the best day of my life. Now. Those of you that are looking at me like I've gone a bit crazy, please, please just do what I've done throughout my life, throughout my learning, throughout all my studying, and I'm still studying like mad. Stay open-minded. Be an open-minded skeptic and check it all out, but don't be a cynic. Oh, he's just one of those crazy guys that uh, thinks life's wonderful. No, life's not wonderful. But the way you talk to yourself, the language you use inside your head, when you talk to yourself, and by the way, we talk to ourselves up to about 90,000 times a day, often it's negative. And therefore, if we're talking to ourselves, we ought to be talking positive. And not only are we persuading ourselves at that point, and we're the most important person to persuade, we're actually persuading other people at the same time. 
So that's my slide from the negotiation course, but it's exactly the same whether you're persuading or influencing. How do you negotiate? How do you influence? How do you persuade? Well, it's got to be better face to face, hasn't it? Because we can see the body language, we can listen to what the person's saying and hear them, and we can actually respond to them with the words. But by seeing someone, you catch the energy going backwards and forwards. Of course, I've had to insert Zoom. So using Zoom properly, as I've suggested, your eyeball to eyeball to the camera, you're open, you're dressed smartly. By the way, don't dress down just because you're on Zoom. You should dress up for, for Zoom. If I was in a business, if I was in a professional business meeting, I would put a shirt, I would put a tie and a jacket on because you can always take your jacket off and dress down, but you can't dress up. So you can always go to, from professional to casual, but you can't go from casual to professional. And did you know there was a survey at Hull University about 20 years ago as well, which showed that uh, it, this was males actually at the time, that males who went and looked really smart at an interview had a better chance of success than someone with a degree who hadn't had a haircut and went to the meeting looking pretty scruffy. That's a pretty scary statistic if you've invested three or four years in a university degree and someone can do that on the basis they look a lot smarter than you. So let's go back to that. You don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And Zoom is almost life, like almost as large as life, isn't it? So we know have to learn how to use it. Then we got the phone, which is almost redundant now. People don't tend to use the phone. When I call people without making an appointment, they sound surprised. I really don't get that because I come from a generation that used the phone a lot. The benefit of the phone is you've got a two-way communication as opposed to emails, internet messaging, Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, or whatever that people use all the time where you've just got a one-way input and no uh, no, um, so persuade, trying to persuade somebody on email, forget it, it's really tricky. Uh, telephone's better, Zoom's better, but face-to-face is. And I mentioned this, a lot of it's obvious, most of it's common sense, but we know that the uh, issue with common sense is it's not very common. So uh, so have a think about that. I hope, you're I hope you're taking some notes because it's much more powerful to take uh, notes that are in your own handwriting because again, when you write things down in your own handwriting, um, it goes into the brain better and it widens the neurons in your brain, gives you better bandwidth when you make your own notes in your own handwriting, which is why mind mapping the night before an exam is really powerful to do it in your own handwriting. And just to remind you, the trick with mind mapping, and there's only three things you really need to know. Number one, it starts in the center, whatever the subject is. Number two, it's landscape, because that's the way our eyes, two eyes connect. That's why we have widescreen TVs. And number three is everything links up, each chapter or whatever it is linked up, and you use capital letters. Very important to use capital letters. Slow your brain down and just write it in capital letters. So let's have a look at a few negotiators. Let's see how persuasive they are being. That's Lauren. How persuasive do you think Lauren is? Not very. She's not gonna persuade you, is she, with that sort of frown, that glaring eyes, 
and those folded arms. I'd like to do something for me now. Could you all fold your arms? Even if you've got cameras on, I'm not testing you, please fold your arms like uh, Lauren. Now, I want to know how many of you are like me with your left arm over your right arm? How many people are left over right? Could you put left in the chat box if you've got your left arm over the, your right? And if you've got your right arm over your left, can you put right in the chat box as well for us? Thank you. Now what I'd like you to do is fold your arms the other way. How does that feel? Generally, it feels really difficult. In fact, often there's people that can't fold their arms the other way because it feels so difficult. Let me tell you why I got you to do that. The reason I got you to do that is because if we always do what we've always done, we'll always get what we've always got. Sometimes you just need to do things differently. If you fold the other, your arms the other way before you go to a meeting and you ask yourself at that point, have I prepared for it? Am I going to watch the body language more carefully? And I'm going to raise my sensory acuity and listen carefully to what people are really saying. Then guess what? You'll get better results. So if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. So try something new. If it doesn't work, you can go back to the old ways of doing things and then try something again. Let's have a look at some, a few other pictures. Now in psychology, if you mirror the body language of the person that you're uh, inf influencing or trying to persuade, like the gentleman on the, uh, in the blue, is doing to the gentleman in the green, that person will, in their unconscious mind, and that's the mind that's not aware of anything, think that the person is like you. You're on the same wavelength, you've got the same connections, you've got the same radar. Now, does this work? You bet it works. You just look at yourself when you're with a friend, when you're connected, and I guarantee you'll be mirroring, the mirroring each other's body language because people who are like each other, like each other, and they mirror each other's body language without even knowing they're doing it. In fact, you mirror the tone of voice and the speed that someone talks at. Now, I just changed my speed there. Again, when you like someone, when you're connected, when you're on the same wavelength, whatever metaphor, that we want to use. And additionally, you can also mirror the words they use. So if you're mirroring the body language, if you're mirroring the tone of voice, if you're mirroring the language they use and the words, when you meet someone for the first time, guess what? They think they're like you. They don't think they're like you consciously, but they think they like you. Now, people are only influenced and persuaded by people they like, unless you've got a gun. You might need a gun. You might be able to persuade someone with a gun to do what you want, but actually you need to persuade them with your personality and with the psychology that you do. So when I'm coaching people in difficult situations, I'm also coaching them to mirror gently the body language of the other person, to mirror gently the speed of voice they talk at, and to mirror gently the language that they use. So if you if you phone if I if you phone me, I would typically answer the phone. Hi, it's Derek Arden here. 
Now, you have the opportunity of mirroring two of the words that I used. You can say, hi, Derek. Now, most people don't think about this. And the reason they don't think about this, they're too busy saying what they're used to saying, doing the same things, and they might say, hello, it's Simona. Well, wrong. Sorry, Simona, and Simona wouldn't do that, by the way, because she's been on my one-day co one coaching course, and she's been coached not to do that. But uh, I say, if I say, hello, it's Derek Arden, you then play back two of the words, two of the four words, 50% of the words that I've used, saying, hello, Derek, it's Simona. Have you got a couple of seconds? Wow, game on. So again, stay open-minded to this, but if you go and read any book on positive psychology, on neuro-linguistic programming, you will find that mirroring and matching is a key thing. One of those things that needs a bit of practice, it's not mimicking, it's not, the, you know, you're not with someone and they go like that, and then the next minute you go like that, that's taking the mick or mimicking. It's just gently mirroring their body language, mirroring the, the angle of their spine, mirroring the language they use, and mirroring the tone of voice. You don't mirror accents, because if you mirror accents, you'll never get it right. And therefore, if I was trying to mirror a Bulgarian accent or Eastern European accent or American accent, no chance. And it will come into the person's conscious mind. So we've talked about uh, first impressions. We've talked about sensory acuity. We've talked about body language. We've talked about mirroring and matching the other person. Because if you ever read this fantastic book, and I recommend you do, How to Imp win friends and influence people. The first book ever written on persuasion influencing psychology by a guy called Dale Carnegie in the 1930s, believe it or not. Carnegie was revolutionary and he said, if you want to persuade someone, put yourself in their shoes. Imagine what they're thinking. Ask them what they want. Because if you can help the other person get what they want, then you can get what you want. So putting yourself in the other person's shoes. And then Carnegie went on to say nothing revolutionary, but something people weren't doing. He said, um, people like people like themselves. And if you make the other person feel really important by listening to them and asking great questions, rather than projecting yourself and your views, and therefore listen to what they want, listen to what they're saying, play it back, and then make them the offer or persuade them what you want. He actually said people want a good listening to, whereas the, say, the, talk, the saying goes, doesn't it? People want a good talking to. They don't want a good talking to. They want a good listening to. And when people are listened to, they will respect you and think you're the greatest person in the world. It does take time, I know. So mirroring and matching body language. So I thought this was an interesting slide of Obama and David Cameron um, mirroring each other almost exactly, whether they did that deliberately or not, whether Cameron's advisors said when he goes to the White House, and that picture is taken on the White House lawn by the look of it to me, you know, wear a blue tie, wear a white shirt, and when you walk up the, the lawn, if Obama's got his jacket over his right shoulder, then you put your jacket over the left shoulder. That's mirroring. Matching would be Cameron putting his jacket over the right shoulder. What's the difference? Well, it's called mirroring, 
because as you see yourself coming back in a mirror, um, it's different, isn't it? It looks different and therefore they, you want the other person to think it's a mirror image of them. Guys, I, ladies and gentlemen, I hope I'm not uh, take, stretching this too far on a Wednesday uh, on a Wednesday evening, but let's think that this must be a pretty natural phenomenon if the four-month-old baby is mirroring its mum. And remember where all this, all this came from in the first place is when we sat in the womb of our mum, we were mirroring our heartbeat, weren't we, for nine months, the safest place in the world that we'll ever be in, because we made it. We got out safe. So again, just a few other bits of body language. This lady may be one of the most powerful persuaders in the world, still in politics. Uh, Angela Merkel, the uh, you know the Chancellor of Germany, and uh, when she's under a bit of pressure, she does this body language of squeezing the thumb against the right index finger, and you can squeeze this as hard as you like, and still make your point. Whereas if you point at people, that's like you've got two guns and it's coming across as really aggressive. So if you're under pressure and you'll notice some of the best politicians in the world doing this, and she's one of the best, been there for 16 years. I know our coalition's in a spot of bother now, but she's going to stand back and the whole of Europe are worrying and wondering who's going to take her place. Another thing, just a quick one, Yasser Arafat, when he was alive, always sat on a higher chair to uh, influence the other person. He put the American ambassador there in that picture in a lower chair. Ideally, in influencing situations, unless we're putting people under pressure, as Arafat was doing there, we want to be eyeball to eyeball and level for a win-win situation. I've got about 10 minutes. I don't know if there's any questions in the chat box because I'm still running the slides through um, again. Now we've all got our own space. And uh, if, I, if we were in an open seminar, I'd ask you to call out, does um, Mrs. Merkel feel comfortable with uh, President Obama invading her space? She doesn't look very comfortable at all, does she? As he uh, whispers sweet nothings in her ear or tries to persuade her to sign some NATO treaty. And I love that slide that comes from quite a long time ago. The uh, Phillips chief executive and chairman um, were saying that the uh, share price was going to go up, even though they were in a bit of trouble at that time. And they were mirroring and matching each other's body language. And guess what body language they were doing? This gesture. And do you know what this gesture means? All around the world, it means we're looking for some divine intervention from whatever our religion is, from whatever our hope is, whatever we're hoping for out the sky. So the share price went down straight away as they were mirroring and matching each other's body language. And the reason I talk about body language a lot is it's five, to five times more difficult to lie with your body language than it is with the words. And secondly, your body language is what people are thinking, not what they're saying. So when they're saying something, yeah, it's really true, and they're rubbing their nose like Pinocchio did every time he told a lie, then you know it's probably a lie because the body language is more likely to be ac more accurate than the words. I'm just going to come out and see if we've got any questions in the chat box. Uh, Radu, for me at the moment. Uh, um, Nothing yet, no. 
nothing at the moment. Well, don't forget to put your questions in the chat box because this is your one chance to ask me any of these questions. If you're a, a little bit skeptical about anything, I'll be very happy to answer any questions. If there's no questions and I'm uh, blowing you away with all this psychology, uh, should we keep going? Yeah, I'll keep going. By the way, there's a trick to uh, make people smile that uh, we can all do. If you get a pen or a pencil and put it in your mouth like this, you can't help smiling. Now, why do we want to be smiling? Well, number one, we want to be smiling because it makes us feel good. It creates endorphins. And therefore, uh, if we're going to something stressful, uh, it's better to be smiling. And um, number two, if we're smiling, it's very difficult for the other person to smile. So if you smile at someone and say good morning, guess what happens? Unless they're really miserable. And I met somebody this morning when I was out walking my dog. They'll smile back and say good morning. It's a bit like waving. If you wave at people, they normally wave back. So let's try it. I'm going to wave at you. Come on. You've got to wave back to me. By the way, it's quite lonely here in my study on my own. You know, if I was in front of a big group, I'd be getting some feedback. So thanks, thanks for waving. And by the way, looking at your body language, about 10 of you that have got your cameras on are all smiling back as well. So it works. So what we're saying here is what you do affects other people but also what you do affects you. So if you want a nice day, it's a good idea to have a smile. By the way, if you want to feel miserable, then you just put the pen in that way around, like that, and then you can't help feeling miserable. But I don't recommend you do that. Now I'm going to um, talk a little bit about the psychology of influence and the psychology of persuasion from the research that was done by uh, a professor at the University of Phoenix in uh, Arizona. His name is uh, Dr. Roger, Robert Gildini, and he is considered to be the number one guru on business influencing. And in my book, Power Negotiating, I wrote a chapter on it, and in my book, Win-Win, I also did, because it's really, really important. And uh, before I finish, I'm gonna walk you through his six traits of influence, which work generally below the level of our unconscious mind and everybody else's unconscious mind. Now they don't if we're aware of it, but let me tell you the marketers, the advertisers all know about these six, uh, six traits of influence and they'll be using on them on us all the time. So A, it's best that we know about them and B, it's best that um, we also know how to handle them and, um, and C, it's a good idea to use as many of them as possible. Number one, does the person like you or not? I've already mentioned this before, but if the person doesn't like you, it's gonna be very difficult to persuade them, to influence them, more difficult to negotiate with them, more difficult to sell to them, and all those issues. So how can we make someone like us? Number one, be as like them as possible. Now, doesn't matter if we're culturally different, but if we're very nice, if we're early, if we make a good first impression, if we mirror and match their body language, their tone of voice and the words, if maybe we take them a small gift or a small present, if we hand across our business card early, or if we're on uh, 
If we're on Zoom, we give them a nice smile, we say hello, or if you're presenting or pitching on Zoom, you get there early, you might even give them a wave. So when people, when I have a one-to-one -one meeting with on Zoom with people and they come in and I've never met them before, like Radu about two weeks ago, you know, I was giving them a wave to start off with. No guns, nice smile and a wave. And they can't help waving back. Now, what have you done to them? Somebody does ask me sometimes, is this manipulative? Well, it's not manipulative. It's nice, isn't it? It's nice. It's great. We're helping other people like us feel good and wave. And guess what? If they feel good in our company, we're more likely to be able to persuade them. And ladies and gentlemen, it's no more manipulative than me wearing aftershave because a nice smell when you're around or ladies wearing makeup because looking good is also something that helps people like other people. So think about that one and think about how you can do it because you've got to think about the person that you're going to influence and what they are like. So when you get up in the morning, when you get dressed, you might choose what clothes you're going to wear if you know them. Now, what if I don't know them? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is look them up on LinkedIn. Absolutely the first thing. I've got 5,000 people following me and I'd love to have you following me and I'll accept your, uh, your invitation if you just remind me where, uh, where we met. But when I look at someone's LinkedIn profile, remember LinkedIn is basically the uh, business version of Facebook. And also remember that uh, people aren't really interested in CVs anymore. They're interested in your LinkedIn profile. So they can look at your LinkedIn profile. They can look at your Instagram. They can look at Facebook. They can look at whatever, they probably can't look at Snapchat, can they? But uh, they can look at your social media profile and have a view on you. Now, somebody told me that's illegal now by HR departments, but is it? How are you gonna stop anyone knowing, especially if they use their private account? So make sure on LinkedIn, you've got a professional, nice CV, and it will take you five minutes to change it if you haven't, and make sure you upload a nice professional photo that one of your friends has taken on your camera, which you can upload, that makes you look good, makes you look <coughs> professional. Number two, and excuse me, throat's going a bit. Number two is um, called reciprocity, giving people things unconditionally for nothing. When you give somebody something unconditionally for nothing, or you buy them a cup of coffee or whatever it is, it doesn't matter about the money, how much it costs. When you give them something unconditionally for nothing in their unconscious mind, they think, they remember that they owe you something back. And what they owe you back doesn't bear any resemblance to the cost. That's why supermarkets give out free samples. That's why people give out free samples all the time and generally if you walk into a supermarket and they give you a small uh, cup of um, an alcoholic drink or whatever it is they seem to do that more in France and Germany than they do in the UK now um, people tend to buy a full bottle or remember it in their unconscious mind so what can you give them you can give them friendship you can be nice to them you can give them your business card uh, you can connect with them on LinkedIn you can do all those things and uh, I'm conscious of the time but I'm going to give you the other four issues. Number three is authority. People who come across as professional, look good, business-wise, business know what they're doing, have the authority. 
big issue about authority because people in uniforms appear to have more authority than people not in uniforms, hence police officers, hence uh, airline pilots, hence uh, captains of uh, cruise ships versus ca even captains of small ships that uh, go across, um, well, where I live, um, where I go sometimes in Dorset, there's a ferry across the Sandbanks Ferry. It goes across about 100 yards of, of water. The captain of that will still be dressed like the captain of the biggest cruise liner. So again, do you come across as authority? Two things which will make you really more powerful with authority. Number one is wearing a jacket because a jacket makes you more look more like the military. You can always take a jacket off, but you can't put it on afterwards, can you? And also having smart business-like hair. So fairly obvious, but, and the other thing people look for is your shoes. Are the shoes smart? Are they polished? Are they appropriate? Because if someone was going to London for a job in the financial sector, People don't wear brown shoes. So turning up for an interview in brown shoes, knowing what the culture is of these things would be crazy because you won't look like the other people. Number four, scarcity. People want things that they think they're gonna miss out on. So people want things that appear to be scarce, which is why sale ends at five o'clock. Um, I think uh, Magnet, the kitchen people in the UK sell, all, sales always end on Sunday. Dreams, the bed shop sales all, always end on a Monday, but then they start on the next day anyway with another sale. So it's all down to that psychology of if you don't buy now. If you're going to a pop concert, the uh, trick on selling tickets to pop concerts is to say there's um, only one. So you've got a book now or you'll miss out. But they, you know, they've always they've already reserved the dates at the O2 or at um, the Southampton uh, Cricket Ground where they have pop concerts, um, etc., and places like that. They've always reserved the, the next dates. So when they sell out of the first date, then they put the second date on. They don't say there's two dates at the same time because people don't buy things unless they're thinking they're going to miss out. Number five is called social proof, giving people um, references putting nice things on their uh, testimonials uh, in advertising, saying Mrs. Bloggs bought this and she was really satisfied. And then the final one is commitment. If you wanna get someone's commitment before you close the sale, before you negotiate, before you persuade them, you say something like this, and it happens in every car showroom everywhere around the world. If I do get you this 10% off, 5% off, 100 pounds off, whatever it is, we do have a deal, don't we? I'll just go away to the sales manager, hire authority, see if I can get it agreed because I like you so much and we may not uh, be able to uh, do this deal again. And so you've been pre-closed in the sale before he comes back, she comes back and says, uh, I got you the deal. And it's not then, do you wanna go ahead? It's let's, we'll just fill in the paperwork. So ladies and gentlemen, it's 1919 and 44 seconds. I'm a professional speaker. I was the president of the Professional Speaking Association in the UK. And rule number one of presenting and speaking is you finish on time. And I'm three minutes, three seconds early for finishing. So Radu, if, if you're on, um, let's, uh, let's see what questions that we've got in the chat box and then we can unmute and everybody 
And if they, or people can unmute themselves and put their hand up before they uh, ask a question. We'll take five minutes of questions, then we'll close the meeting formally, turn off the recording, and um, I'll stay on as long as people want to fire any questions at me on sales, influencing, negotiating, persuading, or everything else. Okay, so uh, you may have to help me with any questions. I'm having a quick zip down the question. Yes, we have quite a few questions, but we also have a hand up from Lorenzo. Okay, well, let's take the questions first and then we'll come to Lorenzo. Just to clarify, is it better to look at your laptop phone camera or the screen when in conversations with people? It's, you've got to look at the camera like I'm looking at you. So I'm looking down here now. I can't persuade anybody in a meet, business meeting face to face if I'm not looking them in the eye, can I? It's rude, I'm looking away, I might be thinking about something else. So on Zoom, I have to look in the camera. Now I got two cameras here, um, and uh, let me just uh, show you. So I could use either camera. They're in different positions. So I'm going to look slightly differently on this one. This is my laptop camera versus my slightly better one, which I think I was ripped off, by the way, on Amazon. It's not as good as I thought I was getting for the money. Now that's my, uh, is it? I'm not sure it is. Let me just check. Yep, now I'm on this camera up here. So to answer your question, there's absolutely no doubt you've got to look the person in the eye. We talk, to, talk about eyeball to eyeball persuasion. That's what happens in the world. And therefore we need to look at the camera. So I'm looking at that blue dot. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the biggest problem is we generally like to look at ourselves. By looking at ourselves, we need to look down, then we're not making eye contact. And it's looking like we're not interested. Actually, one of the quickest ways, if, you're in, if you want to give people a real turn off in a face-to-face -face meeting, all you do is look down. Just look down. You know, I don't really care about you. You're not really, you're not really uh, very interesting at all. I'm bored with you. And that's, that's what it's saying. So that's the answer to question one. How do you mirror body language over a video call? Okay, well, there's a lady on here called Denisa, and she's got her head against her knuckle. Thanks for doing that, Denisa. You gave me a little bit of a smile there. I'm looking down at Denisa now. So if I'm in a meeting and Denisa's doing this, I might want to do this, but I have to think about it very carefully because this is bored body language. Now, I don't, I hope Denisa's not bored with me. She's going to give me a smile in a minute. But if someone's doing this in a meeting and they're not engaged, the degree of boredom is almost directly linked to their head angle on their palm. So that would be an example of mirroring. Let me see who else uh, might be on the call that I can mirror. It's more difficult because I can't see you totally, but fear has just moved her head slightly. So I would be mirroring that. So be careful. It's not so easy on Zoom. Of course it's not, but you can still do it if you wanted it. It will be easier to mirror the speed of voice and the language that they use. Okay, back in GCSEs, I was told that someone who is in lying would shuffle their feet. Is that true? 
Well, the most obvious uh, lying, and it, this isn't 100%, all right, otherwise everybody would do it. So the most obvious lying is hand-to-face gestures when someone rubs their nose. As Pinocchio, as, as, as we know, Pinocchio's nose grew every time he told a lie. And the reason for that is that the brain sends a little signal to these very itchy bits here and your nose itches when you're telling a fib of spinning something and therefore you want to rub it. Well, don't rub it because people will think you're lying intuitively anyway. So at that point, just open your hands. And I'm not suggesting that you go around lying. But if you're exaggerating a bit, then that comes across like that. Yes, we fidget. Fidgeting is a I don't want to say lying because lying isn't 100%, is it? You know, there's little white lies that we say, yeah, I'm feeling great today when you're not feeling great. You know, little white lie like that uh, to right over the other side, which is a real, um, real terrible lie, which I used to get as a bank manager. You know, people would say, oh, yeah, I can uh, repay you that money tomorrow. And then they knew they couldn't or things like that. So you can see there's the difference. So there's lots of books on lying. There's a chapter in my book, Win Win, about lying, what the most uh, obvious signals were. If you invite me back again, we'll do some more body language and lying or negotiating. It's important in a negotiation, you know, someone's not telling you the truth because the deal's not going to be done. So uh, I don't know whether that was in GCSE textbooks or not, but um, this piece of kit we got here our brain is a human lie detector it's brilliant but usually we don't look to see the signals the fidgeting the uncomfortableness and if you ask me a direct question and you said um derek uh, will you um will you go ahead with the deal next week and i lean back i fold my arm protecting my heart and i rub my nose that's a big lie no chance because you've got the body language moving back the arms crossed to protect your heart. The arms crossed might be because someone's cold, but not if you ask the question and then they move back and then they rub their nose like uh, Pinocchio. Uh, let's keep going. Any risk of mirroring negative body language? That's a great question, uh, uh, whoever uh, asked that. James, thanks for that. Um, if someone is in negative body language like that, you should mirror it. Ah, and that's what people forget. So I've got my arms folded. That means, James, that I'm not likely to agree with you. I'm disagreeing what you're saying, and you're not likely to persuade me or influence me. So at that point, you notice I've got my arms folded, and uh, you fold your arms, and you mirror me. Now I'm thinking, oh, James is thinking the same as me. He's a bit like me. He's got his arms folded. So let me see if I can find out uh, what the issues are and uh, so uh, you know if so we're both folded I'm trying to find out what the issues are James I say James um, is there um, anything bothering you about what I've said is there any reason we won't go ahead with this uh, with this deal and uh, see what you say so again you mirror it for a little while it's called mirror it's called uh, mirroring and pacing so you pace the person and then you open your own body language and you see if they copy you. This is a subject all on its own, which we could spend a day on. Question one, how do you see the art of persuasion 
can be augmented by artificial intelligence? Never been asked that question. Don't know. Sorry, I'd have to think about it. Um, I tell you what, though, some of these emails we get and some of these um, phone calls we get at the moment are getting um, more and more aggressive. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know the answer to that. Radio, I've probably got one more question I can take and then we'll, you can sum up. We'll close the meeting and I'll stay on for as long as people want. Remember, if you want a copy of my book, How to Negotiate Your Salary or The Power of Presenting, then uh, um, send me the learning points from today, your takeaways by tomorrow night, and I will send you that uh, over the weekend. And uh, if you give me a LinkedIn testimonial as well, I'll send you the two books. So just remind me on that email uh, what, you, what you want. Um, last question. In a digital tool in universe where the majority of people are now, how can we effectively use social media to influence someone? Is it possible to apply those techniques in a digital world? Well, I think I've answered some of those things. We can, we need in the digital world to look at the camera, because if we don't look at the camera, we need to have the camera at eye level. Um, I was talking earlier to one or two people and Radu was one where they were looking down at me. Well, I don't want someone to be looking down at me, do I? I don't want to be looking at a white ceiling behind them. And uh, as you get older, I don't want to be looking at someone with a great big double chin. So either put your laptop on uh, or your iPad on some books. I've got my laptop at the moment um on six books so it's on top of six books to um, get it higher and i'm sitting on a kitchen stool to get me higher so the tripod my camera's on is that so there's no excuse for uh, for not doing that it's just laziness and actually it's usually laziness that stops people getting to the right frame of mind for persuading not thinking it through not looking at the people on linkedin not look not looking back at um, uh, when they met them before, not remembering what they told you, what uh, soccer team they supported, what tennis, what they did, whether they played netball or not, and all these clues that we get that I would write down in my magic book, which goes everywhere with me. Yes, it's a book. It's old fashioned longhand because I can't open the files up on my computer quick enough that I've made and I can flick the book back and I can see what happened on the 4th of February and uh, who I had a call with. I had a call with a client about uh, negotiating an insurance claim for me. So this is a private client I'm helping negotiate an insurance claim. So yes, we can. Radu, I'm going to hand back to you. And when you finished, I'm going to stop the recording. I'd like to thank everyone for inviting me. Thank, uh, thank you for inviting me. Thank Fish on Toast and Southampton University and anybody else that's uh, joined us. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Derek. I hope um, everyone enjoyed the talk. And uh, make sure to uh, check out Derek's uh, website and his YouTube channel. He's uh, got quite a lot of nice content. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed what Fish on Toast is doing. This is what we're all about. Uh, we have a few more events coming up uh, in April. Those will be released uh, about uh, mid uh, or early start of April. So keep your eyes peeled on our website and on Facebook or Instagram. We're everywhere. So um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it and um, 
keep on watching for the Q&A. And the last thing I'd like to say, Radu, is thank you to you for organising it on behalf of uh, all the audience, because I know that you and Bence put a lot of energy into this. We've had a couple of meetings, we've had a rehearsal, and without the organisers, nothing would happen. So if uh, everybody could put their hands up for the organisers, that would be fantastic. Well done, guys. Brilliant job. Thank you. <laughs>